The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning here in the uh, the, the windy city of Tucson. Apparently, it's, uh, it's going to be windy and cool today, kind of uh, strange weather that blew in. Apparently, it blew in really fast from Los Angeles. Of course, we'll have some more on that later on in the show as we talk some of the things that occurred over the uh, overnight last night and on Monday, and then course everything that occurred after we signed off friday last friday seems like forever ago uh, last friday at uh, 9 a.m when seemingly everything began to unravel at that point from uh, in the world of sports tons and tons of things to get into today as we had uh, the extended uh, weekend the uh, uh, the uh, the national holiday of course of indigenous people's day slash columbus day whichever you uh, choose to acknowledge and uh, so we Plenty of plenty of content today. It's, I kind of wish that we didn't have yesterday off because there was so much to get into regarding uh, a couple of the games that occurred here in the state of Arizona over the weekend, namely the one Saturday night at Arizona Stadium as the Wildcats lose to UCLA in that game by a score of 34-16. to Then Sunday we turn around, we get some NFL action going, and a game that I thought that uh, I think a lot of people thought was going to be less competitive than it was as Trey Lance got his first career start, a rookie quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, as they went into the the den, the nest, if you will, of the Arizona Cardinals, the NFL's only unbeaten team. And that game went right down to the wire. Cardinals outlasted the 49ers by a score of 17-10. to 10. We'll, uh, we'll talk plenty about that. And, of course, we'll bring on uh, our Cardinals insider, Tyler Drake, tomorrow to break down even more of the game, the insight uh, into some of the things that occurred in that game, update you on injuries, and then look ahead at what the Cardinals have coming up. We'll, of course, talk about that with our uh, Cardinals insider, Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports, coming up tomorrow morning, as we usually do. Uh, plenty of other things to talk about. There's Major League Baseball playoffs that are still in full swing and a incredible game last night in the NLDS what we expected to see from uh, from this series, not so much what we expected on Saturday night as the Dodgers crushed the Giants by a score of 9-2. to two. But uh, another shutout for the Giants last night, their second shutout in uh, in two in three games in this uh, in this series, and we'll talk about the impact of how the Giants and Dodgers series is going to impact the National League, and then of course the rest of the things going on in Major League Baseball playoffs. The Red Sox moving on to the ALCS, of course, just like everybody predicted, right? <laughs> I talked about it last week, and basically nobody was predicting the Red Sox to win that series against the Rays, and I mean nobody. I even said during my like my brief little breakdown of that series, I'm like, look, the Rays own the advantage in every single aspect of this series except for starting pitching where they're going to start three rookies who were very good this year, but, you know, they're still rookies and things could happen. And it wasn't so much the rookies as it was the Rays' spectacular bullpen that had been great all season long that just absolutely imploded in the Boston Red Sox Bats came alive, and they end up winning that series. Nobody predicted that to, that to happen as the American League's best team, the Tampa Bay Rays, now out of the playoffs, and the Red Sox are moving on to the championship series, and they'll await their opponent 
as we know more of, uh, of what's going to be unfolding in the other series between the Astros and the White Sox. The Astros are up in that series two games to one. <clears throat> and then in the uh, the National League Division Series, the, uh, the Braves uh, getting a win yesterday, much-needed win, and uh, they, of course, locking horns with the Milwaukee Brewers. That series continues this week as well. We'll have all kinds of updates for that. Other news and notes from around the NFL, of course, we will talk about the John Gruden uh, resignation, firing, whatever have you, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But regardless, some emails were found that he had sent over the last seven or eight years uh, to people dating back even uh, 10 or 11 years ago um, that showed a, a very consistent pattern of bigotry, misogyny, um, you know, anti, anti-gay uh, type of, of emails and, and uh, thoughts. And we'll, uh, we'll, of course, we'll get into that. I don't spend too much time on those types of topics here, but uh, we will definitely hit on it because it is absolutely news in the world of sports as the Raiders now are going to be searching for a new head coach. And I have an idea on one name that you could be looking out for if you're a Raider fan or if you're just an interested NFL fan as to who they might uh, fill that uh, fill that uh, head coaching spot with, I got one name for you, and I think it's a name that should be watched very closely. But we begin with Arizona versus UCLA. I mentioned UCLA wins the game 34-16 to Saturday night in front of a, a good crowd. I, I Listen, listen uh, I'm going to be uh, – I'll, I'll be honest with, with you guys, and you know that. Um, I'm very candid with you all and how I view – uh, the the fan support of Arizona programs, I felt like you know, I chastised team. I, I chastised the fans for their lack of coming out to the Red Blue game. Couldn't really understand why people weren't attending the Red Blue game for the first time in since its inception that I can remember. Um, but likewise, I would like to turn that around and say, great job by the fans on Saturday night. I thought the the atmosphere was actually really good. The fans were clad in white. The whiteout was working. I felt like there was a distinct home field advantage on Saturday night. I thought, look, the the, the crowd was very much into the game. Um, and the the crowd was, you know, also, you know, in, during the flow of the game, you can kind of feel certain things and you can feel emotions swing. And I felt like the crowd answered the call on several occasions. So props to the Arizona fans for answering the call. And I know, that, you know, they announced 43,000, I think 43,298 or something like that. Those numbers are a little inflated. I don't think there were only 10,000 empty seats at Arizona Stadium on Saturday night. But nonetheless, it was a very good crowd, and it wasn't like the crowd was full of UCLA fans. When UCLA did something, uh, did something big, you could barely hear anything from the crowd, uh, from the UCLA side of, of, of the fans. So, very, very uh, – I, I was encouraged and proud of our fans <clears> – pardon me – on Saturday night at Arizona Stadium. thought you guys showed up, did a great job, um, and I know, I know the team appreciates I know uh, the team appreciates you. The coaching staff, the team, they appreciate you guys coming out and supporting the team, and I certainly appreciate it. Um, it's, I, I talk about it all the time. It's, it's a huge advantage to be uh, playing at home when you have great fans. And Saturday night – I felt like we did have great fans, and I want to thank you guys for that. So moving on from that, let's talk about the game, okay? After the game, I was admittedly – I was angry. I'm just, I'm just going to call it like it is. I was angry after the game. I was angry during the game. I was angry after the game. And the reason I was angry is because watching that game, 
you know, you, you want this team to win so badly. Like you, you just you you want to you want it for so many reasons. You want them to get off of this this stupid losing streak that they're in the middle of. You want it for you know to to, to throw it back in the faces of those people across the country and here locally that want to just poke fun at Arizona football. You want to you want it to you want to win so badly for all those players. Most importantly, the players that are in this program that give their blood, their sweat, and their tears every single day. They they are studying hard in the classroom and then going out for practice and going out to games, and they are doing it together. They're doing it as a team, and you want them to win so badly. And I want it for the fans so badly. And I want it for this coaching staff because they need, they've worked hard to garner a lot of positive influence in this community, and they've worked so hard for that. And I want to win for them as well. Everybody in this community deserves a win. They need one. They, we have to have one. Right, and as I'm watching the game, I'm like, "This is a winnable game. We can beat these guys. We are we are toe to toe with UCLA right now, and we can beat them if we can just find a way to turn a couple things around, stop some of these you know these penalties that are that are killing drives, and continue to get stops in the passing game against uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, which I look I thought Don Brown called an amazing game against Chip Kelly." Uh, and I thought our secondary played lights out uh, in that game, in their coverage, in their coverage schemes. I thought the linebackers were fantastic in their coverage of the tight ends, and I felt like the defensive line did a great job as well in their uh, their ability to keep Dorian Thompson Robinson contained when there was chances for him to break out. But you want the win so badly, and I was mad because look, all last season. As this was happening, you know, as as the as, as the, the the team was going 0-5 and there was no fans there and all this other stuff, it was there was a such a, a a sterile, numb feeling about it all. Like I wasn't mad; I was just like I was like sick because I knew watching that team, I'm like we have we have no guts, we have no desire, and it came from the sideline and it came from the coaching staff and they didn't care to be there. Uh, and therefore it bled down onto the players, and the players no longer cared to be there, and that's why hap- what happened to what happened uh, during the season. This year is different. This year, this team fights. This team plays hard. They they want to win so badly, and it's almost like they're trying so hard to win that they find new ways to lose. My, my number three key to the game, and I, I just kept thinking back to this, thinking back to you know, when I laid all the keys out to the game, to Arizona getting a victory on Friday, my number three key to the game, right here, play smart, stay disciplined. Play smart, stay disciplined. It explicitly states in that, you know, in my notes, got to have, you got to cut down on penalties, got to cut down on turnovers. Can't have those two things, especially when you're playing at home. There's, In fact, I remember saying on the air, There's no excuse for having false starts at home. Arizona found a way to create five, five false start penalties. And it wasn't just offensive linemen. It was tight ends. It was wide receivers. The center snapped the ball when Jordan McLeod wasn't ready for it, resulting in a negative 16-yard play which wasn't a false start, but it was a false start by the center. He just happens to be snapping the ball, so therefore he went before everybody else did, just like the other five occasions. It's just this time he snapped the ball, so therefore it can't be a false start. 
So essentially, you can call six false starts on the team because somebody went prematurely six different times. One time it resulted in a 16-yard loss. But to have that many pre-snap penalties, it's just, it's maddening. Like, you want to say it's inexcusable, and Jed Fish talked about it in both press conferences, both post-game press conference and his press conference yesterday uh, at on campus, where he basically said, look, UCLA stems late. And when he says they stem late, meaning that the defensive line get their they get their gap assignments. They 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 essentially line up for their gap assignments at the very end, at the at the very last moment. Okay, they do that. That is a that is a ploy by defensive coaches to get offenses to jump off sides, to get offenses who are inexperienced or jumpy or twitchy or whatever have you to jump off sides, and it works. Look, Arizona used to do it all the time, and during the uh, Rich Rodriguez era, okay, Jeff Castile's thing was we stem late. And you would see Arizona moving around. You'd see him move. They'd see him, see him kick a leg out. You'd see him switch, uh, switch an angle, go from a, a five technique to a seven technique real quick, or they'd go from a you know from a three technique to a two technique, where they just you're just lining up and you're just switching movements real quick right before right before the snap. And it causes teams to jump. It's a ploy. Okay, it's just it's just a, another way of of playing the game of football, trying to gain an advantage, and it worked for UCLA. Arizona was flinchy, in the words of Jed Fish. And I saw comments, and <laughs> sometimes sometimes people just need to, like, not tweet things out or comment certain things. Like, you need to realize what you're saying. I saw a lot of people commenting, tweeting, whatever have you, um, that th- they blame the coaches for it because they should have practiced this. Okay. First of all, you have you have two coaches – on that, on the Arizona sideline that worked for Chip Kelly, one of them who's worked for him for the last three years at UCLA, is fully understanding of, of what they do defensively, how they stem late. Folks, this was practiced all week long. I have it on very, very, very good authority, very good authority, that this was practiced all week long. They practice late stems. They talked about it in film study. They reminded them before they went out onto the field. The coaches were on top of it, okay? They, trust me, they, they understand what UCLA was doing. It wasn't just about installing the offense with the quarterback and running plays, okay? They prepared them for these defensive line shifts that happened right before the snap of the ball to hold your water. You hear it? I mean, it's look, these offensive linemen, that's one thing. That's, that's a phrase that you get sick and tired of hearing in, pract- in practice, in film study, during the game. Hold your water, man. Hold your water. You hear it all the time. You get sick of hearing it. When I saw Jed Fish say it, I was like, yep, that's a football coach. <laughs> because you hear it all the time. Offensive linemen, it's just, hold your water. You hear it all the time. And it's, I mean, it's, that's, the, that's the phrase that pays. You've got to hold your water. Can't have all, can't have false starts. So, essentially, Arizona had six of them. Again, one of them resulting in a 16-yard loss. Arizona just continues to find ways to lose. And until they win, I think they're going to continue to find ways to lose. You know, we, we talk about this in sports all the time. Teams that aren't bad but necessarily just can't win games. The San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers have been that way for the last four years 
up until this season. A good football team with good players and good intentions who play hard that just find weird ways to lose football games. We see it in baseball. We see it in college. We see it in in the NBA. We see it in the NHL. We see it all over the place. Good teams who just, for whatever reason, can't get the losing bug off of them. It just, like, they go swipe at the bug and it moves over here. They go swipe it over here and it goes, moves over here. They, they, can't, they can't fight. They can't squash the bug. And until Arizona squashes that bug, things like this are going to continue to happen. And that's why it's maddening to me. That's why I was so mad. And I wasn't mad at the players. I wasn't mad at the coaching staff. I mean, sure, I went through certain emotions during the game, after the game, over the weekend as I thought about it longer and longer. And I'm dreading watching. I'm going to watch the game again today. I'm going I'm to watch the, the, the television content, uh, telecast of that today just to kind of get another feel for everything that happened. It's just important, I think, for me to, to be able to watch that kind of stuff. But I was, I was just mad at the fact that all of this, we're, just, we're finding new, and I won't even say inventive ways to win. They're just, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. And then you see it. You see it happen. You can feel it. You can feel the emotion in the building just just completely deflate. That team, once they realized that things were going south, things started to really go south, right? We saw it happen. Big play breaks out. Now a turnover. Quarterback gets hurt. All of a sudden now now they're, they're, on, they're on their heels, and then another big play happens, essentially seals the game. UCLA tacks on a late field goal, but look, the, the game the game was essentially over once Jordan McLeod got hurt and was crying on the field, and I feel I feel so so terribly for him. That young man has worked so hard and played his tail off, um, and had this team with confidence and hope on his on you know on their side. Twenty four sixteen going into the fourth quarter, it's a one score game. We're driving the ball, we're at midfield, and he gets twisted up in a um, nasty-looking pile of, of bodies there, two defensive linemen converging him. One is around his ankles. Another one kind of comes over and finishes him off, and as he does, twists him. And, you know, it didn't look good from my perch from where I was. Certainly, I'm sure it didn't look good from where you guys were watching it, whether it was on TV, because everybody's closer than I am. Everybody's closer than I am. Uh, and then I was able to look at, because uh, the radio broadcast, Brian Jeffries and Lamont Lovett are right next to me. And uh, I, can, I can see the TV monitor there. And I looked at the TV monitor, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's it. He, he twisted his knee, he's going to be done for the year. I knew it right, right off the bat, I knew it. And my spotter, Matt, is looking through his binoculars. He's like, oh, man, he's crying. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And at that point, it was like it, game over. 14 minutes to go or whatever, 14, you know, and some, and some change to go. The fourth quarter just started, right? 14, and, you know, 14 minutes to go, and the, the team lost it. At that point, they were like, we, we can't win. We, we, just, we, we can't win for losing. And you could feel it, man. It got popped like a balloon. That was it. UCLA gets the ball back on the, on the fumble because Jordan was in such pain, he dropped the ball. It happens. You see it happen in the NFL. You see it happen everywhere. Guys are in bad pain, they drop the ball. It happens. I don't blame him one bit for that. And UCLA goes on a big play, and the play, 
look, I'm still upset about the play because one of the players on Arizona's defense, and I won't call them out by name because these are these are young young men, amateur players who are not being paid for you know for doing this, and I I refuse to call them out for things like this. But there was a a particular player on defense who was just standing there watching the play. I mean, standing there watching it. And that's the kind of stuff that drives me off the wall. It was like, what do we, you know, what can we do? What can we do? And just, there he goes. See, what I tell you, there he goes. Touchdown. Oof. Making me so mad. (laughs) All right. There are some positive things that we can take from this, from the game. Some things that we saw specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And now the Wildcats turn to Gunner Cruz once again to rescue them from this losing streak as they take on the Colorado Buffaloes in Boulder this Saturday. That game will kick off at 1230, so it's an early start for the Wildcats. Maybe that works in their favor. Maybe the fact that Colorado cannot move the football will play in their favor. But we'll see, and we'll have plenty of the week to talk about it. And we'll still talk. Uh, we'll still come back and talk about more of what we saw on Saturday night coming up after the break. The Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk is going to look a little bit different this year. But instead of a walk, we're going to go for a cruise in our vehicles. The Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Caravan starts Sunday morning, October 24th at 8 a.m. The event is to raise awareness and funds to save lives from breast cancer. To get more information on how to be a part of this or to make a donation, go to ESPNTucson.com. More after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction, a live, in-person public auction preview is this Friday, October 15th. It takes place from 10 AM to 4 PM. You can find it at the Sierra Auction at uh, 3911 North Highway Drive in Tucson. The online registration is free. Go to SierraAuction.com. You do not need to have a dealer license to attend. Uh, It's open to the public, and you can start bidding online on Saturday, October 16th, starting at 8 a.m. Get Get the deals you deserve only at SierraAuction.com. So, we're, we're going to continue talking about Arizona football, and we'll, we'll continue talking about it throughout the week. Uh, I'll take a look at some of the pro football focus numbers and talk about which players are you know are performing at a higher level uh, for Arizona. I mean, I, I can tell you some of the names that I think are going to be on that list. Uh, it's not going to be you know it's no it's no secret. Uh, some of the names are going to be on that list. What Arizona really needs is for Gunnar Cruz to be on that list now because they are going to turn to him as the the quarterback. And, look, when they turned to him on Saturday night, things did not go well. After uh, Jordan McLeod leaves the, uh, leaves the game with the injury, Arizona punted twice when they had not punted yet in that game, uh, and then they fumbled you know, another time, and it resulted. There was a couple of sacks that resulted in the game from him holding onto the ball a little bit too long. And, look, it's just – Everybody, you know, everybody's different. Every quarterback is different. They're going to approach the game a different way, and the way Gunnar Cruz does it is he is going to wait for something to open up. He's going to wait for something down the field to open up, and I think that could play. You know, it could be a good thing as long as Arizona can protect him. You know, my my number one key to the game 
against UCLA was for Arizona to get bigger plays in the passing game, which they didn't really get against UCLA. Credit UCLA and their defense for taking a lot of those plays away from Arizona, but they weren't able to throw the ball downfield. Everything was underneath and, you know, to the sideline to sideline for Arizona. They weren't throwing the ball deep um, in that game, and maybe it wasn't the game plan. Maybe it didn't need to be the game plan, but I'll tell you this. There was a lot of missed opportunities in that game. The middle of that field was wide open. It's easy to see. As I was watching the game from above, from high above my perch, four stories above the field, um, it's easy to see why UCLA has the worst pass defense in the country. Like, it's really easy to see that. The middle, they, don't, they do not defend the middle of the field at all. Like, it was wide open all night long. Arizona wasn't able to challenge it for uh, whatever reasons. And, uh, and, you know, again, couldn't get the ball to the tight ends even after Jed Fish came out and talked about we need to get the ball to the tight ends more. Uh, I think they had, I think the tight ends had one catch in the game for six yards and a play that never should have even happened. The ball, that ball should have never been thrown. That was a bad decision right there at the end of the half. Arizona gets the turnover, 30 seconds to go with a timeout, and they throw a, you know, they, they kind of wait on a ball and get six yards to Bryce Wolma right in the middle of the field who falls down, and it's not a first down, so the clock doesn't stop. He stays in bounds, so the clock doesn't stop. And then Jed Fish doesn't call the timeout, and there was a lot of um, a lot of stern conversation amongst the fans and amongst the people watching that game uh, in regards to that sequence of plays, a sequence that Jed Fish says, it's on me. You know, he, he admitted that he needed to take that timeout at that, at that moment. He was worried at the time on the field. He was worried at the time about taking the timeout and potentially giving the ball back to UCLA. You can't, you can't think like that. If you're a head coach that is trying to instill as much confidence in his team as possible, you can't be afraid for them to make a mistake and give the ball back to UCLA. What, like, I mean, what was UCLA going to do with 10 seconds left on the clock, you know, just beyond midfield? Throw, I mean, they throw a prayer. UCLA didn't – well, maybe they did have one timeout at the time. I'll have to go back and watch the tape. Um, they might have had a timeout. Regardless, regardless, you can't be afraid to say, well, I don't want to turn the ball over at midfield. And I know coaches say that all the time. This is, we're in a different situation here. Arizona is desperate for a win. They need to get one any way they can, meaning – you need to give your team as many chances to score as humanly possible. Jed Fish dropped the ball. He absolutely dropped the ball on that. That is 100% on him. That was a bad decision. A bad decision not to call timeout. A bad decision not to have better plays called and make his quarterback very aware that you do not throw the ball to the middle of the field unless you get something big. A six-yard gain is not enough. Bryce Wilma also needed to run a deeper route. I, listen, there was, there was a lot of problems with that, with that possession at the end of the half. There were, especially with what we've seen this season, right? I mean, what's, what's been like one of the main themes of watch, when we watch football this season? What's been one of the main themes is that 30 seconds is enough time for a quarterback to get a ball downfield and to get, you guys, get your team into scoring position. We have a kicker with a 60-yard leg, at least – Give him a chance to make one. We may not have a ton of confidence in in his ability to make those field goals. 60 yards is a long way to kick a ball. Okay? But he was two for two on Saturday night, both from 46 yards. They both were strong kicks that went right down the middle. One of them was there was a little wind gust. I was afraid it was going to alter the ball. I felt the wind come up just as the ball was snapped. I was like, oh, boy. Uh, But it it went straight through. 
the, one of the main overarching themes of watching football this year is that regardless of if there's 30 – used to be like, oh, the two-minute drill, the two-minute drill. Now it's becoming like the 30-second drill. Quarterbacks are just rewriting the way you play football right now. It can be done. So uh, when, when, you know, when he says, oh, I was worried about turning the ball, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I, I do not want to hear that. You've you got to give your team the most possible chances to score. And he, he realizes that now. He knows that now. Back then, on Saturday night, when he made the decision not to call timeout, he, he wasn't aware of that. He, he, he feels it now. You know, especially from a coach who has shown so much confidence in his team, going for it on fourth downs, putting belief in his players. At that moment, just had a, a, a thought like, I don't want to turn the ball over. We're so close. I, I, don't, I don't want to turn the ball over. We're within a point at halftime. We'll come back in the second half. Hey, UCLA was getting the ball in the second half. And then that leads me to my next point of, of anger. And I'll just do this real quick here before we break and uh, switch, switch gears. The kickoff of the second half. I, I, I don't know. Nobody asked. You have Lucas Haversick who continually kicks the ball off the back wall out of the end zone. I mean, he kicks the ball in, like into the stand. Like, he's kicked field goals from kickoff. One of the biggest legs in college football. Can probably do it without even the run-up to the kickoff. For some reason, kicks it to one of the most dangerous return men in the entire country who returns it 76 yards to set up a big touchdown for UCLA to open up the second half. That was the, the to me, that was the biggest play of the game. Why are we kicking to this guy? And again, I don't know the circumstances. Maybe Lucas Haversick just missed the ball. I don't know. But I'd like to find out because I'm still angry about that. I'm still angry about kicking the ball to that scummy to open the game against the team from up north last season. Why do we continue to kick to these guys? We have Lucas Haversick. Kick the ball as far as kick the ball into the bleachers. No, no kick returner should ever, ever touch the ball against Arizona, unless they want him to. If they feel they got kick coverage down, like you know they were kicking the ball to NAU and stuff, they feel like they don't have the athletes to get a big run on them. Fine, you want to pin them, you know, under, under, underneath the twenty. Fine. Against the Power Five school, you ain't got the horses. Use that dude to kick the ball out of the end zone. Let him start at the 25. UCLA's starting, average starting field position was 38-yard line. That's, that's inaccept, unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. 38-yard line was the, stat, the average starting position for UCLA. That's terrible. Puts the defense in bad situations. 76-yard kick return to set up the touchdown that won the game, essentially. That was the game-winning touchdown. <sighs> Tough to swallow. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about some NFL. The Cardinals beat the 49ers on Sunday. We'll talk about that and other news and notes from the NFL. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. 
We've got FC Tucson tickets coming up here in just a little bit. Your chance to win some tickets to go watch some football, soccer. Uh, coming up here for FC Tucson, they got a big game coming up this Saturday, and uh, we got some tickets to give away. Stay tuned for your call for that. The Cardinals outlast the 49ers by a score of 17-10 to 10 yesterday, or Sunday, I guess you should say. You should say that on Mondays. Uh, but yesterday, they uh, or Sunday, see, I did it again. They outlast the 49ers by a score of 17-10. to 10, And, look, it was, it was kind of an ugly game. you got to credit the 49ers for coming in with a game plan that kind of mucked it up. I mean, they really... Uh, you know, kind of turned it into kind of just like a little defensive slugfest. They were able to really get after Kyler Murray. They were able to find ways to get into the Cardinal backfield and shake things up. They nearly had a safety on two separate occasions against Kyler Murray. There was a holding that took place in the end zone that didn't get called, uh, which would have resulted in a safety, probably could have uh, possibly could have out, uh, changed the outcome of the game. Fact of the matter is, 49ers outgained the Cardinals in the game, 338-304, to with a rookie quarterback making his first start ever, who throw an interception on his first series. The game, you know, look, he was he was pumped. You could tell. He was he was stoked for the game and had a wide open, uh, I believe it was Debo Samuel, uh, that he overthrew by about six yards over his head. Just, I mean, launched one. And right into the arms of Buda Baker, who was playing way, way, way off um, in that situation. Debo Samuel's wide open. Um, if if Trey Lance just connects on that pass alone, maybe things are different in the outcome uh, in the game on Sunday. But nonetheless, the Cardinals move on to their five and zero now. Still, the NFL's only undefeated team. Um, it was a it was a it, look. It was a it was a fun game to watch, in my opinion. I thought that the defenses both really were you know were getting after it. The 49ers were able to run the football. They had to kind of vanilla their uh, their way around as far as um, in the running game and such, and Trey Lance ended up being the leading rusher in the game at 16 carries for 89 yards, um, had some nice runs. They did some they did some zone read stuff uh, with him there. I thought Elijah Mitchell played well, you know, nine carries, 43 yards. And, uh, look, outside of, you know, a couple of big plays that they gave up to the Cardinals, the Rondell Moore um, end around was a big play. Obviously, that was a uh, you know, big 26-yard play there. In the uh, the run game, he was their he was the Cardinals' leading rusher. He had three carries for 38 yards. 49ers absolutely squashed the running game of the Cardinals. Cardinals couldn't get anything done um, in the actual run game uh, in that uh, in that particular game. They had a few big plays. The Rondell Moore catch on the sideline was ridiculous. That guy continues to impress. Uh, he is just <laughs> he's so good, and he is quick. And now he's got these wonderful twinkle toes to show for it. I mean, he was able to tap that toe on the sideline. That was that's one of the better catches you'll ever see, folks. I mean, it's the ball was placed there because he was blanketed in the coverage. So Kyler Murray had to throw the ball, just give him an opportunity to go get it. And it's not like Rondell Moore is AJ Green out there at 6 foot 4. He's like 5'9". <laughs> to be able to catch a ball like that. First of all, credit Kyler Murray with being able to place a ball at the sideline. For, you know, for someone like Rondell Moore in that situation, but for him to come down with that ball, that was just a ridiculous catch, to say the least. Um, so the Cardinals had 22 catches in the game, 239 yards. Not a great game for Kyler Murray, and I know a lot of people have Kyler Murray as a you know an MVP candidate and stuff, and I still think he is because he's the quarterback of the only unbeaten team remaining in the NFL, and the offense has been great. 
and I thought Kyler Murray played very, very average against the 49ers. And look, we've seen it. We've seen it before. Uh, the 49ers tend to play the Cardinals really, really tough, regardless of the matchup. And uh, uh, last night's or Sunday night's game, 17 to 10 for the Cardinals. But you know, hey, look, sometimes you got to win them that way. And credit to the Arizona Cardinals for finding a way to win a game that was a just a real slugfest. Uh, you know, kind of between the 20s, um, teams just really not giving much between the 20s. And the, the 49ers had plenty of opportunities. They went for it on fourth down. What did, was it? Was it like? Did they go for it on fourth down five times? They were yeah one of five on fourth down conversions. Kyle Shanahan refusing to punt. It was like it was it, when you watch the game. It was kind of a situation where like he wasn't in a position to punt. Like every time the 49ers got to like a fourth and something situation, fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and two, they were in that no man's land, right? They were like right around the Cardinal 40-yard line. Like, well, we kind of got to go for it here. We can't punt. We've got our backup kicker, and Kyle Shanahan knows that kicking in uh, you know, at, at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, one of the tougher places to kick in the NFL for – I have my reasons why, and I've talked about it here – and we'll talk about NFL kickers coming up on uh, the Dean's List and the Dunce List coming up at 8 o'clock. Yes, have, you know, be ready for that. Uh, but, you know, knowing all of those factors, it just it, the forced the 49ers to go for it on fourth down a lot. And fortunately for the Cardinals, or unfortunately for the 49ers, those, those fourth down misses, when you miss on four fourth down attempts, it gives momentum to the other team. You know, Trey Lance was stopped at the one-inch line going into the end zone. That, you know, that was a huge play in the game, the game where uh, uh, Buda Baker ends up, uh, you know, hurting. He went into concussion protocol immediately, was able to get back on the field. They realized they, they were able to determine that he was not concussed uh, on the play. Did, I believe, hurt his shoulder a little bit, though. And we'll talk about that with Tyler Drake tomorrow because he's going to have a full, a full list of uh, injury updates to give us tomorrow, and there are many. Uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, but look, those are those are momentum swinging type moments when a team goes for it on fourth down and you stop them, you get a ton, a huge swell of momentum. And for the 49ers, they just kept knocking on that door, and the Cardinals kept slamming it in their face. So credit to the Arizona Cardinals defense for being able to rise to the occasion on certain situational downs when it is so vitally important that you do so. Uh, and look, that was the difference in the game. The the defense's moments, I guess, if you will, uh, when they decided to to make a play and have a big play. So that's you know that was essentially it. And uh, the Cardinals get uh, get a couple of scores. Obviously, the James Conner run in the first quarter early on, seven nothing, and then didn't score uh, another touchdown until late in the game with about five minutes left to go in the game. Uh, the DeAndre Hopkins pass from Kyler Murray to make it seventeen seven. So. Um, Good, look, a good game, uh, you know, a game that we would, you know, we kind of expected to see. I think we expect to see a little bit more scoring maybe and uh, maybe more a little bit of a lopsided score based on who the quarterback was for the 49ers. But all in all, I thought both teams played well, showed that they're both playoff caliber teams regardless of, of who's quarterback for the 49ers. They're still tough out um, even though they do have a lot of injuries in the, in the, back, uh, the back end of their defense. The defensive line is uh, is big trouble for for teams and the linebackers. Uh, linebackers are really good, and if they can get healthy there, then you know look, things may change. But uh, now Trey Lance is hurt. Uh, it sounds like he may be out for the next one or two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if Jimmy G can come back from that calf strain that he's uh, that he's trying to work out right now. So things uh, you know going south for the Forty ers as well. 
as the NFL is still continuing to claim it's uh, you know take its toll on players and injuries and things like that. So we'll keep a close eye on that and get you updated uh, for news and notes and injury things like that. We'll keep you know we always keep a close eye here uh, on the Jeff Dean Show of the NFC West. And of course, we talk football every single day. Talk the NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you. All right, let's go ahead and give them away now. A pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson. They're taking on uh, Tormenta FC this Saturday. That uh, that game is. Um, I'm sorry. That's, that's uh, yeah. It's, it's Saturday. Saturday, October sixteenth. I saw the fifteenth there for a second. Saturday, October sixteenth at Kino North Stadium. Uh, FC Tucson versus Tormenta FC. The phone number five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety. That's seven one nine one four nine zero. Call now. Be caller number one. You are going to get a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson this Saturday. Take on the South Georgia uh, Football Club coming into Tucson this Saturday. Big important game for FC Tucson this weekend. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More NFL news and notes and some MLB playoffs. And, of course, the Dean's List and the Dunce List coming up on the other side of the 8 o'clock hour. Stay tuned to the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, welcome back. Quick segment here, and then the quick turnaround for the 8 o'clock hour, just the two-minute break. We're right back at it. You won't want to miss what's coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour is the, the Dean's List and the Dunce List. Normally we do it on Mondays with, uh, with the holiday yesterday, though. We're doing it on today on a Tuesday, and you're not going to want to miss this week's Dean's List and Dunce List coming up right after the 8 o'clock break. So if you were watching the NFL this weekend, if you're watching on the Red Zone or however you, you choose to watch it, it was just total pandemonium. Like it was the early games, five games came down to the last seconds of the game. They were on Red Zone, they were quad boxing it because they were like, all this is happening right now. We can't switch to one game or the other. The Detroit Lions, man, I, listen, I feel for them. I really do. I, I kind of feel like a kinship between the Lions and and the Arizona Wildcat football team, right? Lions are 0-5. They have fought so hard in every game this year. You know, they, they, they're down 28 to the Niners in week one at home. They fight all the way back. They get an, an onside kick recovery, which never happens in the NFL. They score touchdowns and two-point conversions. They're within, you know, they're within striking distance of, you know, eight points of the 49ers. And the 49ers are able to recover an onside kick, which happens 94% of the time in the NFL. <laughs> and, and, you know, they end up closing the game out. They got down early, obviously, but fought back and won that game. We all know, remember what happened in the Raiders, or the Ravens game, where they score late to take the lead. Lamar Jackson makes one miraculous throw, and Justin Tucker kicks a NFL record 66-yard field goal that hits the crossbar and then bounces over. And in the game... On Sunday in Minnesota, Detroit fights tooth and nail. It's a it's a thirteen sixteen or thirteen six game at halftime. They're not able to score, but Jared Goff fights them. You know, brings them back from down ten. It was sixteen six in the fourth quarter. Um, they they get a, a touchdown run from DeAndre Swift with thirty five seconds left on the clock. They get the two point conversion to K. Darrell Hodge to take the lead seventeen sixteen, and then. Again, 30 seconds, even for a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who people just absolutely crap on all the time. I can't understand that. He's not, he's not terrible. People 
clown on him all the time. But uh, Kirk Cousins moves him down the field just enough for a 54-yard field goal attempt from Greg Joseph, which, of course, he nails. Uh, He wasn't going to miss that, right? I mean, he'd already kicked a 55-yarder in the fourth quarter already. So he wasn't going to miss the 54-yarder, even though every other kicker was missing their kicks. And the Lions go home as time expires. Losers once again. Dan Campbell, their head coach, was crying in the press conference. Like, that's a guy who cares. Like, that. you see that kind of stuff? If I were a Lions player, I would be running through walls for that dude. I, I, I don't even know who they play this week. I don't care who it is. I'm picking the Lions to win the game. Who do they play? The Bengals. All right, I got the Bengals at Ford Field. I'm picking the Lions to win that game. I don't care. Your coach goes on national TV like that and starts crying because he cares so much about your team getting the win and those players in that locker room, that team going to win the next game. Taking the Lions right now. That might be my lock of the week. We'll talk about that coming up because I do have my results from the NFL lock of the week and my Friday five results from uh, Friday as well. So still plenty more to get into. NFL news to talk about, college football news, an upset of number one. And, yes, the Dean's List and the Dunce List coming up next. Remember, it's just a quick little turnaround here. We'll be right back in two minutes. Stay tuned right here to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Dean Show. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.